Our New Testament Bible reading is found in Paul's little letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. And we'll read together a few verses from it. Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse 7 to verse 14. Let's hear the word of God, Philippians 3. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the praise of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. We'll end our reading here at verse 14. Coming back to Anna Long uh, today after the, the New Year's break, I do want to share with you what I've taken this year as my motto text. And it's those lovely well-known words of Philippians 3 and verse 14. It's been a real challenge to my own life and I hope it will be to yours. Paul, an aged saint, this is what he said, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's please unite our hearts together in prayer as we seek the Lord and call upon the Lord's great name. <laughs> Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank thee for the opportunity to just still our hearts in thy presence as we gather around God's holy word. We pray that you'll help us to have faith, Lord, faith in the night as well as the day. Help us to keep pressing on the upward way. Help us not to be detained upon the plains below, but help us to scale the heights that are ahead of us. We think that the land ahead of us in 2023, it is a land of hills and valleys, but help us to make progress in it. And help us to know God's grace daily as we seek to press on with him. Grant unto us today the help of the Spirit of God, we pray that you'll bless the, the preacher, but you'll also bless those who sit in the pew and listen. May there be conscionable hearing of the word of God today. And may God take his holy word and apply it to lives. We ask this in 
Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 14, pressing onward. Uh, something, I think, brethren and sisters, as our days recede and as our lives come to uh, their natural end, that is pressed more and more upon us. This was Paul the aged uh, apostle, and he's writing to these believers at Philippi that he loved in the Lord. And though he had been many years on the Christian pilgrimage, and he was making spiritual progress, still in his mind, as an old saint of God, this is what he said, I want to go further. I want to go higher. I want to go deeper in my knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though he was so mightily used of God, he planted this church at Philippi. Even though he was so mightily used of God, he didn't want to stop even as his life's work came to an end, he wanted to go on with the Lord. Individually and collectively as we open up this new year of 2023, we need to keep pressing onward. I want to encourage all of you today not to stop at where you are. Don't say you have arrived. Dear brethren and sisters, none of us have arrived. None of us today have arrived. The future is ahead of us. None of us have arrived. We have to keep pressing onward. And I want today just to consider this motto text with you. Philippians 3.14. Just this little thought. If you could take it, write it, cross your, the top of your, your Bible for 2023. Pressing onward. Just like the Apostle Paul. Let's learn from the expression that's used in the text. First of all, Paul's desire for progress it's as expressed under this familiar expression that was so well known in the days of the apostle Paul <clears throat> where he likens the Christian to a runner in a race running in the race and the Philippians when they would have read this they would have had in their mind the ancient Greek stadium with its course for its foot races surrounded by the tiers of seats where the spectators would have sat Historians tell us that the length of the course at Athens was one-eighth of a Roman mile, or approximately 607 feet in measurement. And near the entrance of that race, the contestants would have stripped off. They would have got ready for the race, and they'd, they'd have got into their running uh, clothing, and they would have bent forward. They'd have put their, their, their tips of their finger on the starting stone. They weren't allowed to move off that starting block. The line, the starting line was just a, a rope that was put or a, a string that was put across uh, the runners. And when that uh, string or that rope dropped, then the, the runners knew that they had to start the race. And they were pressing forward. They were going onward. It's a very expressive figure that Paul uses to great effect right throughout his writings. In 1 Timothy 4 and 7 and 8, this is what he said. Exercise thyself not unto anything but unto godliness. So refuse, he says, profane and old wives' fables. Now what are those? That's just gossip. Don't be listening to gossip and, and don't be following after stories. But follow after godliness instead and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. Now it doesn't say it profiteth nothing. I think every adult should have some bodily exercise. And I know some of you are going to ask me, well, what about you? Well, my little exercise 
is walking the dogs that I have. And that's my justification for them. So that's my little exercise. So you can tell me what yours is as you go out. But the little exercise that I do, Paul says, it's okay. It's okay. Exercise, bodily exercise, it profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Having a godly life, having a godly life will be more effective, men and women, than spending hours in the gym. Because godliness covers all dimensions of life. Godliness just doesn't cover the physical man. Godliness covers the physical man, the spiritual man, and the mental man. Godliness covers all of the dimensions of life. And that's why Paul he uses this expression here. Yes, bodily exercise profiteth a little, because it profits the, spirit, the, the physical man, but godliness is profitable to all things. And I would encourage you today, yes, get that physical exercise that we all need week by week. But make sure, make sure, dear brethren and sisters, you're not missing out on the spiritual exercises. The, the expression that Paul uses here and in other texts, there's quite a few of them. It teaches us that a Christian just cannot hold the ground that he's on. As you look back on 2022, did you finish where you start? If you can tell me, yes, I finished where I started, then it was a failure. If you finished where you started 2022, it was a failure. Because if any runner in the race, at the, when the, 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 the rest had finished, the race was still in the starting block, everybody would be laughing at him. Everybody would know that that runner has failed uh, in the course that was set ahead of him. We're not to be where we started. We're to be somewhere different. We're to be at the finishing block, at the finishing line. One who is content with no progress is like the man or woman who just runs on the spot. Running on the spot might work up a sweat and it will pump the organs but will not make any progress. You'll not make any progress on the race if you're running on the spot. And I just want to put it to you again today. Will the end of 23, if God tarries, find you where you started? And if it finds you spiritually where you started, it's been a failure. Now I want you to take that home with you. Because we're called to press onward. We're not called to run on the spot. We're called to exercise ourselves unto godliness. And it's only as you exercise yourself unto godliness that you're going to make spiritual progress in the new year that God has set before us. Look at the text again and Paul gives us a wonderful example in the text. He said, I, I press toward the mark. He didn't say you do it. Now we're all good at that. Preachers are good at that. Preachers are good at saying you do it. But Paul says I do it. This is what I do every day. This is my business every day. I am pressing toward the mark. And he provides us with a good example of how we might assess even ourselves spiritually in the things of God. If you want to assess yourself physically, you know, if you start the gym, more people join the gym in January than any other month in the year. You realize that? 
I even did it once. I didn't do it this year. And you go to the gym and they give you an assessment of how good you are or, or physically where you are. And that can be quite a challenge when you hear somebody tells you just how poor physically you really are. But what's his spiritual assessment in verse 13? He said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. The reaching forth is the runner. He's exerting all the energy. He's reaching forth unto the things that are before. But what's his uh, spiritual assessment? What's his calculation of his heart standing before God? When the spiritual sum of his life was all put together, how did Paul calculate it? How did he put it together? He said, I haven't crossed the line as yet. I haven't attained perfection as yet. Now the context of all of this is in the opening verses of Philippians 3 because Paul addressed himself to the legalists who had infiltrated the church at Philippi. And legalism was an infiltration and a problem in so many of the churches in the New Testament times. They had professed to have reached perfection's height by their adherence to strict Jewish ceremonial laws uh, and they claim to have reached perfection by their legalistic code and you know we have to be honest there are evangelical Christians and they're just like that they, they say if they can dot this box or this I and stroke this T and go right down the list of stuff then they're holy it's a lot of nonsense and I want to say to you Dave that's your type of holiness it's not biblical holiness Biblical holiness is not ticking boxes that you've done this or that or the other. That's not what biblical holiness is. Biblical holiness is conformity to Christ. Biblical holiness is being more and more conformed unto the image of Christ in our thinking, in our walking, in our talking, in our doing. That's biblical holiness. And Paul rejected the the hollow claims of these legalisms. He said, legalism hindered me, it didn't help me. And over the years in the Christian ministry, I have known many Christian people from many many different backgrounds. And the ones who have struggled the most have been the legalists. Legalism will not help you to attain perfection. I think at the start of this year, we need some sort of a heart honesty. We need some heart honesty. I want you to do a calculation. Where are you with God? What spiritual total do you get when you do the calculation? If you believe you're spiritual enough, then you'll just stand still. It's not the reality. If you believe that you have already attained, there's no point for you even pressing onward. Why go on when you've already reached your goal? So Paul's left us a good example at the start of the year. We need to carry out some sort of spiritual stock taking and investigate where we are with God. And brethren and sisters, if we're all honest before the Almighty today, all of us would have to say, going out through the door, I have not attained, but I want to press on with God in 2023. This self-examination, it helps us deal with the scourge of complacency. 
When Paul looked at where he was spiritually with God, did he feel satisfied? I've done enough, I don't have to do any more. He was vastly superior to any of us. Undoubtedly, he was the greatest preacher of New Testament times, and yet he was not satisfied with where he was with God. He had come further than any of us will ever go, and yet in the spiritual development and sanctification, he wanted to go further. Spiritual complacency is a scourge to the Christian church today. There are many who profess the Lord's name and they believe, well, I've come enough, I don't need to go any further. If that's your thinking today, let me, let me pin it down. Because the devil has twisted your mind if that's your thinking. I fear there are some and they're content with what we might put in modern parlance the, the nominal minimal effort. The nominal minimal effort. Is that you? Nominalism is destroying the spiritual health of so many Christians today. And when we put it collectively, it's destroying the stamina, the vigor, the vision of the Christian church. And it has often been said that it only takes two generations for a church to become nominalistic. The bare nominal will do. There are others, and they can point to their level of commitment, but they don't want to do anything more. Don't ask me to do more, Pastor. I possibly couldn't do anything more. That's not again the, the, the spirit of the Apostle Paul because Paul said that he was more in labours and service than all other men. More, not less, more. But he wanted still to do something else. I, I want to challenge all of you today. In 2023, can you not find something more to do for God than you did in 2022? There's not one department that doesn't need, and on alone, people to do more than what they're doing in 2022. Something more for God in 23. This, this spiritual complacency, it sets in when we forget the demands of God's holy law. And this in the law requires perfection. Nothing less. It asks for what we're not able to give. <clears throat> and I think... Christians need to be constantly reminded of that. In case you and I think we've reached the mark, we have attained perfections, uh, giddy heights, well then we just look into the mirror of the law and we realise, no, I have not attained. I, I'm not the perfect man or woman that I thought I was. Spiritually complacency it takes hold when we lose sight of how terrible sin is. You know, the least sin is an attack on the spotless holiness of God. In the, in the Bible class this morning, we were looking at John Owen's three summaries of the atonement of Christ. And one of those summaries goes something like this. <clears throat> if the Lord Jesus Christ died for just some of the sins of all men, then all men are lost. Because it would only take one sin to damn a soul. He had to die for all of the sins in order for men to be saved. Now work that out 
within our own lives. When we fail to see the damning power of sin, then we become complacent. When we measure ourselves by ourselves, then complacency sets in. <clears throat> That's when the trouble starts. When you start to measure yourself by yourself, you know you're really in trouble. It has well been said when we mix with dwarfs, we think ourselves giants. But in the presence of giants, we become dwarfs. Are you measuring your life today by yourself? Oh, I'm quite good. I've done so well. I give so much. I do, do this, that and the other. Are you measuring yourself by yourself? <clears throat> Are you measuring yourself by the word of God? By the scriptures of truth? And when such a comparison is made, then I think all of us, with humility of heart and soul, we need to realise there's a lot of ground we need to make up. We need to press on. Don't be content with the lower attain attainments because God calls us all, young and old, he calls us all to higher ground. I want you to notice thirdly the exertion that's in the text. The word that's used for I press in our King James authorised version, it just simply means to pursue. I'm pursuing something. You're on a pursuit. The sole objective of life is summarised in verse 13. This one thing I do. What was he pursuing? Well, I think I could put it in one word, holiness. What was Paul pursuing? Holiness. Holiness of life. Like the runner in the race, Paul permitted nothing to distract him from that goal. And he exerted himself. And I would just say to all of you, collectively be wary of the things that would distract you from reaching the mark. In order to avoid such, Paul said, he had to forget certain things. Well, he had to forget the things that are behind. And as I look back into 2022, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things there that would benefit me to forget. Remember the picture of the runner in the race, because that's what Paul is alluding to. If you're running the race and looking back, what happens? You trip. You fall. You'll not make progress. Looking back can be very, very dangerous. And there are many Christians, and they're looking back. They're looking back not just to 2022. There are many free Presbyterians, and they're looking back to the 50s and to the 60s and the great things that were done in those days. And they're looking back as, as if they can't see today, and certainly they don't want to look to tomorrow. Spurgeon, he put it like this about his own day. He said, What acclamations are heard when allusion is made to what our fathers did? Oh, the name of Carey, William Carey, of Nib and of Fuller. We Baptists, we think with nothing to do now but to go upstairs and to go to bed, for we've achieved eternal glory through the names of these great and good men. We thank God for those great and good men, even in our own Free Presbyterian Church. And one by one, God has taken them away from us. That founding generation is now basically away. Now, brethren and sisters, are we just going to look back on what the founding fathers did, even here and on alone? Because that older generation that was first here when I came here, 17, some 17 years ago, they're not here today. They've been taken from us. We have to go on. We have to press on. We have to finish our part of the race. 
The personal cost is referred to in, in verse 13 and 14. He's reaching forth. Now, if you've ever witnessed the, the runner reaching forth, you can see the muscles tensing. You can see they're straining every muscle in their body. They want to cross that finishing line. I watch some in Analong. And they're out running in all types of weather. I have to admire them. They're out running. They're out training. They're building up their physical reserves. They're preparing for races up ahead. They're preparing for marathons that are going to be run this year, God willing, in 23. And there's a cost. They have to leave the far side. They have to get their gear on. They have to get out onto the road. They have to put their, their high-vis stuff on. They have to put their lights on. All of that, there. there's a cost. There's the physical cost. There's the time cost. But that's the only way they're going to complete the race. Remember, David said, Well, I give unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. Now, spiritually, are you giving unto the Lord that which costs you nothing? Because if it costs you nothing, it means nothing. Notice with me the expectation in the text. For Paul speaks of the prize. We all love the prize, don't we? But there are so many expect the prize without the exertion. You'll never get the prize without the exertion. I think this can have a reference to a closer walk with God. Because that's the context of Philippians chapter 3. We know, we know that spiritual perfection will only be gained when we gather with those spirits of just men made perfect. Around the throne of God. Yet, yet, that should not stop us ever seeking to press on with the Lord in holiness and in sanctification. Keep pressing on. Keep exercising yourself unto godliness. But how can it be achieved? I, I can't take you and say if you do this exercise, that exercise, other exercise, you're going to be physically fit in, in 2023. I wouldn't know enough to tell you about all of those things. But I can't tell you about the, the means of grace. And I can't tell you that if you exercise yourself unto godliness by using the private and the public means of grace, you will go on in this new year that we've, we've ventured out into. There's so many today, and they've set aside what our catechism describes as the ordinary means of grace because they, the, they want the extraordinary, they want the dramatic, they want the special. They have grown weary of God's ordinary means of grace. I love that picture of the Israelites. They're going through the wilderness. God gave them ordinary means every day. What did he give them? Six days of the week he gave them manna together. They had to gather the manna. They had to prepare the manna. And from the manna they were able to eat bread. Fresh bread every day delivered to their door. But they had to gather it. They had to prepare it. They had to use it. They had to exercise themselves. The means were there, but they had to use the means. And dear brethren and sisters, the means is at your hands. Every one of you today have an open Bible in your hand. That's God's ordained means, the word of God for you to grow in grace in private and in public. Don't miss the private reading of the word of God day by day, the study of the word of God, 
There are so many different greeting schemes out there. There are absolutely dozens of them. Get one that suits you. One that will suit me will not necessarily suit you. Or vice versa. Get one that will suit you. Take a book of the Bible and say, I'm going to study this book this year. I'm going to know every chapter. I'm going to know the incidents in it. I'm going to know what it teaches. Take a book and study through it. I, I think it's a good... A, a good objective said to take one of the Gospels and, and 23, take one of those Gospels and get to know the life of Jesus through one of the Gospels. Study through the private means of grace, the public means of grace. We're so blessed here in this little land that we live in that we have the freedom and the religious liberty to come together to worship God. These public means of grace, gathering around the word of God, lifting our voices and praise to the Almighty, engaging in prayer, meeting in fellowship with other Christians on the Sabbath during the week. That's the, the, the public means of grace. Don't forsake them. That's exercising yourself unto godliness, the means of grace. Even the partaking of the public sacraments. We're, we're glad here, month by month, we meet around this table. To observe his death in his own manner. Don't miss it. I, I'm so glad to see so many Christians month by month wait with us and stay. You come prepared the first Sunday in every month alternatively morning or evening to wait around the table. I'm saying to those who are not baptised. Because baptism and the Lord's table go together. If you're not baptised, set it right in 23 there are many young christians in the free presbyterian church that were never baptized as children so therefore as adults they ought to be baptized if they're believers and there are many who are not and it's not ian harris that is saying to you today you must be baptized it's jesus christ the great king and head of the church you have to be baptized these are the public means of grace we cannot set them aside. We, we should be excited really at the possibility of, be, of becoming more and more, more and more like the Saviour in 2023. I once met a, a young child, and we'll forget it, in Kitali. And uh, I asked the child, who are you? And that child was able just to tell me in a split second, I am the daughter of Lazaro. And of course I looked at the child and Lazaro was looking out of the child at me. There was no doubt who that child was. As people look at you in 2023, can they say of you, you are a child of God? Jesus has seen in your life. You represent him. That's growing in grace. That's pressing on. It's reference also <clears throat> to an eternity with God. What a prize. One day we're going to cross the finishing line. One day we're going to get that crown. That God the righteous judge hath led up for those that know and love him. One day we're going to enter into all of our full possessions in glory above. That's the eternal praise. If you're here today not saved, that praise is not yours. That praise is only for the child of God. But you can come to Christ today. 
You can receive him as your saviour. You can rest upon him for salvation. You can run the rest of this year with the assurance of knowing if today is my last day on earth, I will inherit the praise of heaven and home and eternity to come. I want you to take Philippians 3 and verse 14 and uh, use it as your own motto in 2023. Individually, collectively, dear brethren and sisters, God has called us to press onward. Don't go backward. Don't stay where you are. Regardless of how young or how old you are, he's called us to press toward the mark for the praise of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus.